Thanks for listening to the History Buff podcast with your resident history buff and Berlin tour guide, Artie. If you're enjoying the podcast, then you can really, really help us by liking and sharing the episodes on social media and rating the podcast on your streaming platform. If you'd like to see more History Buff content, then please give us a follow on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. Links are in the show notes. Thank you for your support. And today we will be talking about two dictatorships of Latin America during the 20th century. Um, I realise that there were many, but today I'm just going to focus on two of the most well-known and the two that I happen to know the most about. And these are Argentina and Chile. So today's episode is just going to cover these two dictatorships in a broad sense, but I would love to be able to do more episodes where I delve into each country and all of the other ones in Latin America um, in more detail. So for each of these countries I'm covering, I will also be detailing the United States' involvement in installing the dictatorship. The US did this because it feared having Latin America fall to communism, which was obviously the ideology of its rival superpower, the Soviet Union. Therefore, in order to stop this, the US actually intervened using military force or financial and military aid in order to help install the different categories of regimes. And those three categories that you have are right-wing leaders, so a single figure that rules as a sole dictator, military juntas, where the military is in charge, and authoritarian regimes, where power is highly centralised to the central government and political opposition is repressed. So first up, we're going to talk about Argentina. Now, I used to live in Argentina, and so I have a lot of first-hand knowledge about this particular dictatorship. It was a military junta that ruled Argentina from 1976 until 1982. It was known as Proceso de Reorganización Nacional, or National Reorganization Process, known simply as El Proceso, the process. There have in fact been several dictatorships in Argentina's past, but this was the last one and the most infamous. The military have always been very prominent in Argentine politics, and it's actually ruled Argentina on and off since independence. So, by 1976, Argentina had its first female leader, Juan Perón's third wife, Isabel. But she proved a very weak and ineffective leader, and she was replaced on the 24th of March 1976 by Jorge Rafael Videla, who led the military junta. And by the way, junta comes from the Spanish word for meeting or committee. The most famous thing that the Argentine junta is famous for is the 30,000 desaparecidos, or people who disappeared without a trace during the period of state terror known as La Guerra Sucia or dirty war. These people were perceived enemies of the state, so people who openly disagreed with the regime, criticised the government or su supported opposing parties or movements. And sometimes you had whole families disappear. There were also instances where pregnant women um, were among the disappeared, who were forced to give birth in prisons, and then their child was then illegally adopted into political or military families of the regime. The mothers were then killed. And one of the grimmest aspects of the desaparecidos is the way they were killed. Many were drugged, 
loaded onto aeroplanes, stripped naked and pushed out of the plane and into the Rio de la Plata or Atlantic Ocean below. These became known as death flights. And if you are ever in Buenos Aires, I recommend going to the Parque de la Memoria, which memorializes all of the victims of the Argentine state terror. The US was directly involved in supporting the military junta in Argentina. In 1976, Secretary of State Henry Kissinger gave the green light for political repression at the start of the Dirty War. They also provided loans, military equipment and training to the junta. And in the late 1970s, Democrat President Jimmy Carter actually briefly cut off relations, citing human rights abuses. But this was later reversed by Republican President Ronald Reagan. Relations then became irreparably damaged when the US supported Britain in the Falklands War. So by 1982, the military government was becoming increasingly unpopular due to economic problems and the dirty war. Therefore, in order to try and bolster support, the government decided to invade the Falkland Islands, or Las Malvinas in Argentina, on the 2nd of April 1982, over which Argentina has long staked a claim. The military junta did not expect Britain to send military and therefore were surprised when Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher decided to send a large task force down to the islands located almost 13,000 kilometres away from Britain and much, much closer to the coast of Argentina. It took three weeks for the task force to arrive, but once they did, the British army swiftly overpowered the Argentines and took the islands back on the 14th of June 1982. The loss of the war helped hasten the collapse of the junta and it was replaced with a democratically elected president and government in 1983. If you are interested in the Argentine dictatorship, and I assure you it is very interesting, I recommend to you a film called La Historia Oficial, um, which is an absolutely incredible film and I believe won the best foreign language film Oscar, I think. So that is La Historia Oficial. So definitely, definitely check that out. So now on to Chile. So the dictatorship in Chile was also a military junta, which ruled the country from 1973 until 1990. However, what distinguishes it from Argentina is that one man ruled at the top as dictator for the duration of the dictatorship. So in 1973, you had a democratically elected socialist president in Chile, someone called Salvador Allende. And he was beset by multiple crises, including inflation of 300%, mass strikes and political deadlock in the Chamber of Deputies. In August 1973, Allende had appointed a new head of the army, Augusto Pinochet. The upper and middle classes turned against Allende and coordinated to bring about his downfall, with the Chamber of Deputies also voting in favour of a resolution that challenged Allende's authority. This damaged his legitimacy in the military's eyes, who saw themselves as guardians of the country's constitution. On the 11th of September 1973, due to all of the crises and also due to US encouragement, the military launched a coup against the Allende government. It was one of the most ruthlessly effective coups in modern history, lasting just one day. The coup started at 7am and by lunchtime, the whole of Chile lay under military rule, apart from the centre of Santiago. Allende refused to resign, and so Pinochet, who was part of the coup, ordered infantry to advance on La Moneda, which was the presidential palace. However, they were beaten back by snipers on the roof of the palace, 
Allende refused to negotiate with the military and instead made a farewell address to the nation and he is then widely thought to have committed suicide, although this is contested to this day. In any case, he is found dead in the palace. Then at 2.30pm, the defenders finally surrender and the military junta take over. Two days later, on the 13th of September, the junta dissolved Congress and outlawed opposition parties. They took control of the media and from this created a propaganda machine. They didn't just silence left-wing media, but also any other discourse that questioned the regime. This included the torturing and death of folk singer Victor Yara. He was imprisoned in the Estadio Nacional, the national stadium, after the coup, along with many other Chilean leftists. They tried to silence him by crushing his hands, but eventually they just murdered him. In the first few months after the coup, the military detained and killed thousands of Chilean leftists or forced their disappearance, like in Argentina. 130,000 people were arrested in three years, 200,000 Chileans were sent or fled into exile, and over 3,000 were killed by the regime. That's based on official estimates. The US has been implemented in helping the military overthrow Allende. However, there's been much evidence to dispute this. But declassified CIA documents show that the US did actively encourage a military coup in Chile, despite not perhaps actually participating in it. US military officials told the Chilean military that they would support a coup and subsequent military junta government. Evidence also suggests that the US was not alone in interfering with Chilean democracy. Britain and Australia have also been found to have interfered in Chilean politics in different ways. In Britain, the Labour government of Harold Wilson undertook a propaganda offensive in Chile in the 60s in order to prevent the election of Allende. In Australia, the Liberal government of Billy McMahon approved the ASIS, the Australian Secret Services, secret involvement with the CIA in covert operations in Chile before the coup in the early 70s. In 1980, the Pinochet constitution was approved, and this actually set in motion the re-democratization of Chile. Over the next few years, various democratic institutions were created, and laws were passed which gradually moved Chile away from dictatorship in a kind of democratic transition. In October 1988, as stipulated by the constitution, Pinochet puts himself up for election. It is essentially a referendum just on him, where voters were asked to say yes or no to him. If there was a yes vote, he would stay and serve another eight years as a legitimate civilian president. If no, he would step back and allow another president to be elected. And Pinochet lost 55% to 45%. At first, he tried to rally the junta to help him remain in power, but they refused and he is forced to step down. A year later, fresh presidential and parliamentary elections are held and Patricio Alwin, a Christian Democrat, is sworn in as a democratically elected president. Now, Pinochet kept a seat in the Senate and in 1998, he actually went to London for a back operation. And whilst there, he was actually arrested under an international arrest warrant from a Spanish court in connection with human rights violations. He was released due to ill health and returned to Chile in 2000. He was subsequently forced to resign his seat in the Senate. Then he was placed under house arrest in 2004, and by the time of his death in 2006, there were over 300 criminal charges pending against him, including human rights abuses, tax evasion and embezzlement.
Now, that's it for now for Argentina and Chile, but I would love to speak in more depth about them in their own in their own episodes. But also would like to talk about the other Latin American dictatorships, so countries including Bolivia, Brazil, Cuba, the Dominican Republic, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Panama, Paraguay. And I would love to be able to cover more of these in their own episodes and also go into more detail about Chile and Argentina further down the line. So if you'd like me to cover it, uh, we have just set up Instagram and Twitter. So please follow us there and you can suggest episodes there. So Instagram is at the real history buff and Twitter is at real history buff. So that's all for now. And until next time, goodbye.